Well, when it comes to preaching in times like these, the preacher doesn't want to be another pundit or talking head giving their hot take on the latest event or topic of the day. Well, maybe some preachers do, but this preacher doesn't want to be that. Uh, given that, I tend to agree with Karl Barth, the most eminent theologian of the 20th century, who said that the preacher works with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. As I understand it, the preacher's primary task is to interpret the Bible in light of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. And this task doesn't happen in a vacuum. The preacher's task occurs with a particular context, a specific time, place, and culture. And so the aim of the preacher is to help us understand what God is doing in our lives, within our context, the time, place, culture in which we live, and how we might align our lives and what we do with God's activity in the world. The other night, I attended the Neal Elementary School promotion ceremony where the fourth graders were promoted from elementary school to middle school. As many of us know, St. Andrews has had a long-standing relationship with Neal Elementary. Through the years, members of St. Andrews have volunteered there. And each year since 2007, St. Andrews has awarded eight to 10 $1,000 scholarships to the fourth graders identified by the teachers and principal that those students will receive upon graduating from high school. Great program. Uh, the other night, for the most part, the students led the ceremony, which included all of us standing up and reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. And then a fourth grade girl got up on stage and sang the national anthem. She did great. Did great. And then church members, Linda Ford and Lewis Ford and I, uh, went up on stage, and as the principal, Mrs. Collins, called out the names, uh, we handed out a trophy, a ceremonial cord, which went around the neck, and a certificate to each of the ten students who on that night became St. Andrew's Neal Scholars. After our part was finished, other wards were presented, and all the fourth graders processed and received their fourth grade diploma. And near the end, Mrs. Collins reminded us that there was a group of parents and children in Uvalde uh, not, that we're not celebrating as we were that night. And when I looked out on all those kids, I couldn't uh, help but think about the children in Uvalde, my own children, their friends, and those children and youth who call St. Andrews their church family. You know, what happened in Uvalde could happen in Bryan and College Station. We're not special that way. In Bryan last week, there were three shootings within 24 hours. And in College Station in early May, two people were shot at a pool party. And over the last few days, I have felt sad, angry, frustrated, and maybe you have felt that way too. But for me, the ceremony on that Tuesday night for Neal Elementary was a, a ray of light and hope. It was the, the balm and Gilead that soothed this sin-sick soul. And as a result of what happened in Uvalde and far too many other places, we may wonder what in the world is God doing? Now we may wonder what God would have us do in light of such events. Well, the story we have today from the book of Acts offers us some clues. Uh, that long story which begins with Paul and Silas and their companion Luke. They arrive in the city of Philippi in Macedonia. And the story takes them from a place of prayer to jail and finally into the house of their jailer. Uh, according to Luke, while on their way to the local place for prayer, the, the, they met a slave girl. Paul and Silas, who had a spirit of divination who brought, who brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. 
And she followed them around, crying out, These men are slaves of the Most High God, who proclaim to you a way of salvation. And she kept doing that for many days. Now what she was saying wasn't was it really untrue about Paul. But Paul found it very annoying and one day turned around and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it left her that very hour. And so this sets off a whole chain of events, uh, which include Paul and Silas being arrested for upsetting the established Roman order. An earthquake, which unfastens the chains that bound Silas and Paul. And Paul baptizing his jailer and the jailer's family. And what I have taken from this story is this week is that God is not a God of the status quo. God is not interested in things remaining the same. For days, the girl with the spirit of divination followed Paul around. And finally, Paul became so annoyed, he cast the spirit out of her. And by doing so, he freed her from the spirit and from continued exploitation. And then when Paul and Silas were in jail praying and singing hymns, that earthquake occurred that was so violent that the foundations of the prison uh, were shaken and all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And I think that Luke would have us believe that this earthquake came from God as God's way of freeing Paul and Silas. And when the jailer discovered that the prisoners were still there, he asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And when the jailer, what the jailer heard must have had such an impact because he took Paul and Silas and washed their wounds. And then he and his entire family were baptized. The jailer begins as some sort of Greco-Roman uh, pagan and ends up as a Christian. And so by their encounter with Paul, the lives of the girl and the jailer are changed. By the end of the story, they are different than they were at the beginning for the better. God is not interested in maintaining the status quo. If our God was a status quo God, he would have left the ancient Israelites to live and die as slaves in Egypt rather than lead them to the promised land of Canaan. If God believed in leaving things as they are, he would have left the Israelites in exile rather than bringing them back to Jerusalem. If God was the God of there is nothing we can do, he would not have sent his son to share our human nature, live and die as one of us. God would not have raised Jesus from the dead. So God is not a God of the status quo, and we as his people are not status quo people. We are not, there is nothing we can do, people. When we know that there are hungry people in our community, we try to feed them. When we see rising costs of college and that there are students who show great potential, we give them a scholarship. In these areas, the status quo was and is unacceptable. And at this time, we might make, well, maybe at this time, we might make space in our minds and hearts and wills to support and change the access that some people have to certain kinds of guns. Can we make space in our hearts, minds, and wills to do that? Now, as you're aware, it was graduation weekend for the high schools in Bryan and College Station, and I noticed what one of the graduation speakers said at Consol's commencement ceremony on Friday. Now, the Consol science teacher, maybe some of y'all know him, uh, Nathaniel Buckner, gave the graduates one last assignment. He gave them a test. And after noting the ways in which the world was messed up, in his words, including what happened in Uvalde, he said, the test is, what are you going to do about it? What will you do to save us? What will you do to protect us? And what will you do to change it? 
Because unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to change. That's not only a test for the Consol class of 2022, that's, that's a test for us also. If we are willing to take the test to meet the challenge, to change the status quo, God will be with us. With God's help, we can do it. God is not a God of maintaining the status quo of doing nothing. Thoughts and prayers are necessary, and so is taking right action. God's kingdom is always pushing us towards lives lived abundantly, of communities that flourish in peace, not towards death and their destruction. I would like to believe that those fourth graders, those wonderful fourth graders who are St. Andrew's Neal scholars and on their way to fifth grade, that in the years to come, we as a community, a state, a nation, will do what needs to be done to protect them and others like them. And when they graduate in 2030, that the world in which they will enter will be better than it is today. Let that be our hope. And may that hope inspire us to do something. Amen.